Welcome back. <laughs> My name is not Kata, but I hope you are glad to see me again live on your screens. So we're doing the weekly live streams a little different this season, exclusively on YouTube, y'all. Okay, what it is. I'm excited. It's, I've never done exclusive live streams on YouTube. I, I, I'm not going to lie, low-key, I'm going to miss my Instagram fam, my grand fam, but hopefully some of y'all migrated over. We will see. I'm sure the numbers might be a little lower because the gram is, you know, my largest audience, our platform. But there are some things I can do on YouTube that I can't do on Instagram. Um, and then, you know, other things with LinkedIn. So we'll see how this one goes. Um, this is a 12-part series, if you aren't already aware, on colorism and media. And so you all voted on this one. It was a choice between media and relationships. And so the vast majority of folks said media for the fall series. Now, I will probably do relationships at some point, maybe next year. But we're going to do a deep dive for 12 weeks, unpacking various nuances of colorism and media. And this week, we're starting with media's impact on mental health. Okay, so this is the first of 12 episodes. And I my first title, the first half of my title is I saw myself better with the TV off. Okay, and so that's based on a phase in my life when I was young and adolescent and I stopped turning on the TV. I stopped watching TV. It was too painful. So we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, but first, y'all know how I like to do. I see two people watching. Oh, let me get on my chat a little bit. Um, say hello in the chat, right? And so if you're watching the recording, there are timestamps below. I'm going to go back and do the timestamps so you can skip the chit chat and the introductions and get right to the meat of the content. But for my folks who are here with me live, let me see who we got. Oh my gosh, Michael, you came over to YouTube. <laughs> yes, fam, you is a real one. See, I love it. <laughs> Um, other folks, so I do have some restrictions on my chat. You have to like be following me to participate in the chat, um, just to kind of reduce uh, distractions. <laughs> um, but if you are uh, tuning in, let me know where you're tuning in from. Let me know where you are from, um, what your zodiac sign is, what the weather is like where you are. And we are going to get into this. Um, I'm going to start with intentions and alignment. So. My intention for these live series, I have three intentions that I would like to share with you all, okay? So I want to, you know, feel free to set your own intentions for watching. I'm really big on setting intentions for everything, like whether it's just like a Zoom meeting or like a dinner date or just your day, right? And so for me, my three intentions are one, to have fun, y'all. I said, I took my summer hiatus. Um, oh, I got a new haircut too, though. Some of y'all didn't see the haircut. Yeah, okay. We're in this Venus retrograde glow up, okay? Um, but over my hiatus, like right after my birthday, I was like, if it ain't fun, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do stuff that's not fun, right? And now there are different definitions of fun, um, but I definitely put a lot of work into this, a lot of heart into this. It takes a lot of time and energy, and so I at least want to have fun when I'm doing it, okay? And making those, continuing to make those genuine connections. Now, the second one is for us to have some deep conversations, to circulate ideas. Y'all are good at that, okay? Hopefully, you know, my numbers in the chat increase over time so that we can really dig into the conversation. Um, but yeah, I want us to also like get to know each other, right? I like how, especially, you know, folks like Michael and them, y'all talking to each other in the chat. Like, yeah, we know Dr. Webb is saying something, but 
<laughs> I need to reply to this other comment somebody just left. And then my third intention is to obviously, because it's colorism healing, to facilitate collective healing and transformation for all of us. So my intentions, again, for us to have fun, for us to have some deep conversations, and for us to experience some form of collective transformation and healing. Okay, so if you are in alignment with those intentions and you have intentions of your own that you want to bring to this co-created space, I welcome that. Um, and I will have time at the end for questions and comments, but you can, of course, leave your feedback, reply in the chat as you see fit. Um, but I want to start by sharing uh, a little bit more about why I'm doing this. So I recognized early on the impact that the media had on my own mental health, right? And the phrase or the statement, I saw myself better with the TV off, it came to me when I was thinking about like literally when the screen is off, when the TV set is off, when the phone is off, when the computer is off, you're left with your reflection. You're left with yourself. Like you can actually see a version of your reflection in the TV set. And I always felt like the, the reflection that was left when I turned off the TV or turned off my phone, it feels kind of like a hollow, lonely reflection. And so it makes me feel like the content that I've just been consuming might have somehow siphoned off my essence, right? Like there's a part of me that I've given away to this piece of content that I just consumed. And so that takes me to the metaphorical version of, you know, what we talk about when we talk about representation and again, the impact that the types of media we consume and how we consume it might have on who we are. Um, and so seeing myself better with the TV off has a lot to do with, again, being able to reflect on myself, be self-aware, audit and assess what I'm consuming. You know, I talk about input versus output. We're going to continue over the next 12 weeks talking about input versus output. All right. Um, but first, I want to share some context. I like to um, uh, include some images this time around. So this is one of the benefits of going all in on the YouTube platform because I can't do this on Instagram. I can't share with you younger versions of myself. Okay. <laughs> and so I talked about how at, at one point I had stopped turning off the TV and I was pretty young. So these, this is young Sarah, right? You can see the juxtaposition here. I went natural when I was about 15. So this is like, you know, elementary, middle school, early, like freshman year of high school type age. And you know, I was born in the 80s. You know, the 80s made me, the 90s raised me. 1985, born a Gemini. And so that context of being born in the 80s, growing up in the 90s, we, we didn't have streaming, okay? We didn't, we didn't even have YouTube back then. We didn't have um, a menu of on-demand options. So when it came to TV, when it came to media, we were at the mercy of TV networks. What they wanted to show us when they wanted to show us, okay? If, if, if we had a fancy VCR, we could record it, right? We could program the VCR to record something to watch later, right? But pretty much, like, the options were very limited. And I don't take for granted YouTube and Netflix and Hulu and, and you know, Amazon Prime and all these other options we have for, for consuming media. But back then, when I was growing up, the TV, you know, partly raised me and it was not as democratic, supposedly democratic as it is now. And also I want to say that the person you see on the other side of the screen 
she was already hip to colorism. She had already seen it, experienced it. If you watch my TED talk, you know, I was calling out colorism as early as five years old. Okay. I was like, yeah, I ain't new to this. I'm true to this. I see y'all. Right. But there, I think in the media, like those early years, it was probably mostly patterns and, and words and conversations I was hearing around me and not necessarily the media. Because what I did see in the media, I, I liked the television, but I was watching shows like Darkwing Duck. And I don't know if my sister is watching, but my sister will make fun of me <laughs> with all the shows I used to love, okay? So look, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales. Let me know in the chat if you're old enough to remember Wishbone, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, okay? Don't have me on here on YouTube singing. <laughs> ch 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 chippendale Rescue. That's one of the best theme songs, okay? Side note, I had made a, I had burned a CD of, of theme songs for all the TV shows I used to like, right? But Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, PBS Kids. And so what you notice about this era of media is that it's a lot of animals. It's a lot of non-human characters, right? And so I, I was aware of colorism, but I hadn't really seen it in media yet in my early years because... If, if everybody's a duck, really ain't that much colorism going on. But also like the storylines of something like DuckTales or Wishbone or Bill Nye the Science Guy, it was just informational. It was educational, right? But then, you know, also during that time, at some point in the 90s, we also had diverse representation. Okay, so I grew up on Family Matters. Shout out to Laura Winslow. Like, where would we be if not for Laura Winslow? The Fresh Prince, the original Fresh Prince with the original Aunt Viv, yes. <laughs> and then A Different World, right? So you had like black television in the late 80s, early 90s that I grew up on with representation. more, Way more than they had now, right? And then not just tokenized representation. Not just like, oh, we're, we're going to make her the bully. We're going to make the dark-skinned black girl the bully. Like, no. Something like Family Matters, your girl was the main character, right? She was it. She was the it girl. So that's the kind of things I, I grew up seeing. And I think there's something to be said about what mitigated the negative experiences I had, right? But as I got older, as I started to mature and get further into my adolescent years, things started to look a little different. Things started to feel a little differently, right? So for one, I will say things like, not only did the media start to change like mid to late 90s, but also I was changing, right? I was going through middle school, high school, so I started to understand things like clicks, like popularity, right? Like dating, right? Like who's talking to who and all these different things. And so I was more consciously aware of these things by that time. And so then... <laughs> Fast forward to this show, and actually, I don't know the uh, chronological timeline. I don't know if this is like in order or out of order, what age I was, really was when the famous Jet Jackson came out. But y'all, the famous Jet Jackson, and I think my mom is watching, she can attest to this. I had a crush on Lee Thompson Young, okay? I was like, oh, he is cute. <laughs> and so technically, Bobby Brown was my first crush, but I was only like five at the time, so that's not really the same. But like preteen years, like growing into my adolescence, it was the famous Jed Jackson, Lee Thompson Young, you know, may he rest in peace. Um, and so it's interesting because when I was watching the pilot episode, 
I noticed that the love interest was a racially ambiguous girl, very light skin, long straight hair. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll watch a second episode just to see, you know, because he was cute. And so then the second episode comes, I noticed that they changed the actress. They had a different actress. So she was also light skinned, slightly less racially ambiguous. She might have been like a shade darker. She had curlier hair, but it was still like loose curls. It definitely wasn't like Afro textured hair. And, you know, so that not only was she the you know, playing opposite, but of course there was a romantic plot involved. But I was like, okay, I'll still watch it. You know, I still have a crush on this actor and you know, it's just casting. They're just acting, right? But then as we used to do like reading magazines or like maybe it was a discussion forum or something where I was reading an interview by Lee Thompson Young and he said, or he was explaining how he did choose the first actress, right? But because he had developed romantic feelings for her in real life, that they recast the role with the second actress. So I was like, my little heart sunk, right? A little crack formed in my heart that day. Because <laughs> I had to face the music. I was like, oh, it's not just the casting, right? Like the casting alone was kind of ruffling my feathers. But then to see, like hear from his own mouth, like that that was his preference, right? And so knowing that this guy that I really liked, you know, would never see somebody like me, right? Or that I wouldn't be his preference, right? So that really, I think, I don't, again, I don't know like how old I was when all that was going down, but I know that that is illustrative of how my relationship to the media started to change. And so I, I stopped eventually turning on the TV because it became too psychically painful and too emotionally painful to constantly see the racially ambiguous girls or the non-black girls. I mean, because, you know, to be honest, like at some point, the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon, they just stopped casting black girls altogether. OK. Um, <laughs> and what you can do in that in the face of that, in the face of that misrepresentation or that lack of representation, the total absence of you. Let me go back full screen here is a lot of times you start to internalize that. You start to take on the lens, the camera lens as your own, right? The media lens, the media narratives, you can start to internalize that. So for me personally, it, it, it resulted in limiting beliefs about what was possible for me, especially around dating and romantic relationships, right? And for other people, we have different coping strategies. So some people might do things like bleach their skin because of what they see being set up as the norm, right? That hierarchy being really established. And I, I saw the hierarchy, I heard it, I felt it, you know, cause even as early as five, again, I was a knower, I was a seer, I was a thinker. I was like always analyzing, I wish I could turn it off. I wish I could not see things sometimes, but I'd be seeing it. Um, and so I, I wasn't one of the people who like thought that I was ugly or I didn't think that I was less than. But what the media really showed me was that, oh, but society does, right? Like it really showed my expectations or it shaped my expectations of how society might perceive me or how they might view me. But again, like for a lot of us dark-skinned people, dark-skinned women, dark-skinned femmes, and, and to be honest, dark-skinned boys sometimes too, um, sometimes we do think we're less attractive. Sometimes we do think, you know, maybe we don't deserve things. And what I'll say too is like, I, 
the subconscious mind is really, really powerful and it controls 95% of our behaviors, right? And that's something that is hard to accept because we like to think we in total control. Like, nope, it's all me. It's all my conscious intentions. Like your subconscious is like, yeah, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so all these narratives, all these beliefs that were shaped and programmed, not just by the media, but, you know, it could have a significant effect effect infect yes infect but also affect and they continue to influence our adult decisions right they continue to shape and determine how we move through the world how we move through certain spaces how we show up or don't show up in our lives and really when we talk about things like inner child healing and you know subconscious healing that's really what that's about like all of these early narratives and early programming can really um, seep deep, deep into our subconscious. And we, we aren't even aware of how it might be sabotaging our conscious intentions, our conscious wills. Um, the other thing I'll say too, and I see more people have joined since I first started. So feel free to introduce yourself in the chat and I will open it up to your dialogue really soon. Um, but I will say that the media wasn't all bad. And so at this being the first episode of the 12 week series, we're not just going to talk about the colorism that shows up in media, but I also want to talk about the power of media to change the narrative, right? Because I, I see and I believe that a camera or an image or a piece of writing is just a tool and it's the power is in how you choose to use it, right? So I want to share, you know, strategies for how we as consumers can work to change the narrative, how we as consumers can change our inputs to have healthier outputs. I also want to talk about how we as creators of media, whether you are like an actual Hollywood producer or you're just like having your own little TikTok page that's going viral, right? We have agency in this. And yes, there are people who pull the purse strings and therefore the puppet strings, which is actually an episode. <laughs> I think it might be like week four or something where I'm talking about like who's who's controlling the puppet strings slash purse strings in Hollywood. Um, but for me, I have to say that a lot of my self-concept was salvaged, yes, by home environment, yes, by upbringing. But one of the things like that my mom and other people around me did was purposely exposed me to positive images of black people, intentionally exposing me to positive stories and narratives about our history, right? And saying like, oh my gosh, let's watch this movie together as a family so that we know our history. Also, I was fortunate to grow up during the neo-soul era, right? Folks like Angie Stone. Oh, I have, I have photos of these people too. Folks like Angie Stone, Indy Irie, like they really showed me what I look like, beauty that looked like me. And these were people being played on the radio, right? I remember I was at a track meet in Florida. We were at an out-of-state track meet. I never fit into the track team, right? Like that just wasn't my clique. And we were in the hotel room, a whole bunch of us getting ready to go to the meet and we were watching BET. And an NDIRE video came on because I had stopped watching TV. Now get this. I had stopped watching TV in high school. I was not turning on the TV. So I had never seen or heard of NDIRE until that day in the hotel room. And I remember feeling like as a sophomore in high school, like so seen. It was the video that I'm not the average girl from the video music video. And I was like, 
I was like, okay, so I had turned off the TV long enough for something to change. I was like, oh, something, something's different. <laughs> um, but also, you know, shout out to actresses like Alfre Woodard, Loretta Devine, Whoopi Goldberg, right? And what I'm doing here, so let me be meta for a little bit. Let me be meta. What I do, what I try to do with my platform is to amplify beautiful, positive narratives and images of dark-skinned people, right? So this is why I choose to show my face on social media. This is why I choose to be on video and to take pictures of myself and post images of a dark-skinned, natural, type 4 Afro hair. You know what I mean? But also, if you notice, like when I put up the Jet Jackson, the famous Jet Jackson thing, I just included the logo rather than including the pictures of the light-skinned actresses that I was talking about. So the only actresses I've actually shown on my screen are the dark-skinned actresses. Because what I firmly believe is that we can call out colorism in the media without amplifying the images of light-skinned women in particular, okay? And so I just want to offer that like right now as a tangible, concrete thing we can do. is like even when we're talking about colorism, we can still choose to highlight and show the dark-skinned people, right? The dark-skinned narratives, right? So I, it, it was enough for me to describe the light-skinned actresses in the show, The Famous Judge Jackson. I didn't need to put them on my screen. I really did not, right? <laughs> I almost did because, you know, the, the shock factor, the visual contrast of like, oh my gosh, there's Dr. Webb and then look at this racially ambiguous light-skinned girl, right? But I was like, to put, and especially the picture I had, I had the picture on my slide and it was a picture of the actress next to Lee Thompson Young, right? So it was a juxtaposition of the brown skinned boy next to the light skinned girl. And I was like, I don't want to show that image again because that's the image that's constantly shown on repeat over and over again. So just in this little live stream that, you know, 11 people are watching, I was like, I have to be responsible for the images I choose to present, right? And so I'm consciously doing this. And this is also the shift to, to YouTube so that I can share more images like this. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that in terms of my the impact on my mental health, also you notice I'm not sharing research. So this is another significant shift in this fall series. If you follow me on threads, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of regurgitating research articles. Like I've already written the blogs. I got the ebook, Corporate Colorism. I, the research data is out there, right? Like I want this to be more human. Like let's talk about our experiences, our perspectives, our viewpoints, right? And so using myself, I will be using personal stories, personal narratives to talk about these larger systemic issues, but to add that personal nuance to it. And that's why I'm inviting all of you to share in the chat and the comments. I'm excited that I'll also be able to bring on guests each week. So again, if I'm going live on Instagram and YouTube at the same time, it's harder to bring on guests for interviews. But this way, when I bring on a guest, everyone gets to see them and hear them. But I will say that in addition to things like Neo Soul, um, actresses like Alfre Woodard and Loretta Devine, I credit my decision to stop turning on the TV as part of what saved me, right? I really believe that part of my saving grace was my attitude of like, I ain't, I ain't in it. I'm not in the mood to turn on the TV and see some more white oppressive beauty mandates. And that's what I'm going to call it. I'm not calling it white supremacy. I'm calling it white oppression, white oppressive standards, not white beauty standards, because 
Yeah, I'm gonna stop putting that word next to beauty, right? <laughs> it's a lot, we are gonna get deep. Cause I'm gonna talk about the rhetorical analysis and things like news. Using phrases like blank beauty standards, it keeps in our brains those synapses it's routing those little neurons in our brain to keep associating those two things together, right? So there are lots of things we can do to unlearn, dismantle, and change the narrative. Um, so before I get into the chat and see what see what y'all talking about, <laughs> um, I will say the opportunity for growth here, because y'all know too, like one thing that is remaining consistent is that I will give you some takeaways. I will give you some homework, except now I'm calling them opportunities for growth and transformation <laughs> instead of homework, because not everybody likes that, right? So your opportunity for growth and transformation is to turn it off. Don't turn this off. Like, stay with me to the end. But other things, it's okay to turn it off for today. Okay, it's eight o'clock. I don't need to watch one more episode of this. Like, let me turn it off and see what else happens to turn on, right? And then your reflection questions, I want you to ask, how does this media make me feel, right? So even as a young girl, I was like, this, I do not feel good watching this. It's making me angry. I will say too, when I read that Lee Thompson Young interview, I was heartbroken, but I was also angry. I was like bitter, pissed off. I was like, but that's, you know, we'll save that for the uh, relationship series. Um, but then also ask, what are the pros and cons of consuming this media. Just because a, me a piece of media doesn't make us feel good doesn't, nece doesn't necessarily mean there isn't something to be gained from consuming it. And again, we can talk about strategies where even if there's an instance of colorism in a show or in a movie, we don't necessarily have to throw the whole movie away, although you will find your tolerance starts to decrease, right? So like for me, my tolerance just drops over time. I'm like the, the smallest things, the subtlest things, I can't take it, <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Um, but at the very least, if you're going to continue to watch a show or continue to support a movie that has some problematic elements, at the very least, we have to be conscious consumers. We have to be doing that analysis. We have to be using that critical thinking muscle and critically engaging with the content always. Um, and then there was something else I was going to say. Oh, so even as an adult, like because... It started in high school, like early high school, watching less TV, and that has continued into adulthood. And I would even go on media diets where I only, I only watched TV shows and movies that had dark-skinned black women as the leading lady, right? So as you can imagine, during those times when I was on a diet and I had a strict standard, if the TV show or the movie has a dark-skinned black woman as the lead, I can watch it. I watched a whole lot less TV. <laughs> I watched a whole lot less movies <laughs> when that was my strict standard, right? Now it's still kind of like the unspoken preference for media, but I will watch stuff that, you know, where the dark-skinned black woman is not the lead, right? You know, I, I watched Black Panther, you know what I mean? The second one, we had a, you know, dark-skinned black woman as the lead, right? I'll watch other things. But it's hard. It's harder and harder to accept <laughs> what is readily available. Although I will say there's a movie coming out called All Roads Are Made of Salt or All Roads Lead to Salt or something like that. I think Sheila Tim is in it. Um, very uh, diverse cast of dark-skinned Black people. I'm excited to see that coming up. 
All right, in your affirmation, here I go. I'm getting to the chat, I promise. I know Michael is in the chat deep, I see you. <laughs> your affirmation for this is that the power button is in my hands, okay? Say it with me, the power button is in my hands. You have the power, literally, to turn it off. <laughs> you literally have the power to not watch white oppressive media. You literally have the power to amplify and tune into beautiful, creative, artistic images and expressions of and by and for dark-skinned Black folks, okay? <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah. Um, Michael says he re remembers the shows, definitely remembers the shows. I don't know how old you are, Michael. <laughs> the original on Viv, yeah, she was in the movie. She, the, uh, Gabrielle Union made a new movie in... Um, the original Aviv plays her mom in that movie. So I was excited to see it. Oh, Janet. What's her last name? Janet Hubert, I think. Um, <laughs> says you need me full screen, right? Full screen. So I could like do overlays and like, you know what I mean? Show other images on the side. Um, yeah. Neo Soul So Free. Welcome, Neo Soul So Free. I remember you from last season. I remember you from the spring. Welcome back. <laughs> Uh, says, thank you for pointing out the dark-skinned male and light-skinned woman. Oh, yes, honey. And we're going to get into it. We're going to have a, I have a week set aside for love scenes in movies, in media, in music. So we really going to talk about that dynamic in media is the portrayal of romantic interests, right? And even if the, um, even if the woman is not like considered light skin, oftentimes she will be lighter than her male counterpart. So I'll see people like um, like a Sanaya Lathan or uh, like a Regina Hall or somebody where they're more kind of like brown skin, but they're usually paired with a man who's several shades darker than they are, right? And there's and it's not just like movies, but like <clears throat> when I'm reading tarot cards, when I'm looking at billboards, commercials, advertisements. Um, yeah, even if it's just like a, what you call it, like a, a commercial for this rental car company. There's some some commercial where they had, uh, and it's not just even romantic pairings, like the brother and the sister, right? The brother is going to have dark skin and the sister is racially ambiguous. I'm like, come on now, y'all. But they supposedly have the same two parents. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I read more. So this is how I aim to be. I follow dark-skinned Black women, content creators, and select Black men who celebrate Blackness and are pushed back on colorism. Thank you, I read more. Um, is that like a play on words, I read more? <laughs> or is that like just your actual name? Or does it also mean that you read more, as in like read more content? I'd be really curious to know that. Um, but absolutely, I agree, because I, I posted also about how, you know, not all... Black men who sound woke are really about that life. You know what I mean? So you really have to check receipts for people and women too, like black women too, like every, everybody check receipts and see how people actually move in the real world. Not just like what the good things that they say. Um, Neo Soul Soul Free says, I've literally saw black love posted. Um, you dirt that image or use that image. 
Because I often get pushback from not automatically following black men's content or productions until I can verify that they are not colorists. This is from I Read More. Don't assume everyone gets it because we are race slash skin tones. I read more. See, this is why I read my comments. <laughs> this is why I read the, the chat. Because y'all always drop fire. This is exactly what I would recommend. Okay, let me take this little um, thing down off the... Okay. Um, okay, uh, Michael says, exactly, we done with that ish. I read more, says, LOL, cutting out colorist anti-black cinema and TV cuts it down to nil. <laughs> right, you want more time to read? You want more time to get your writing done? You want more time to do laundry? <laughs> Set your standard that not only do you have to have a dark-skinned black woman in the lead, but like the storyline has to be good. Whew. You ain't going to be watching much TV at all. Um, hey, Kev504. Um, hello, love you and your channel. Oh, thank you. Says, I was so happy to see you give positive affirmations to Mayoa's world. You two are my favorite content creators and subject matter experts on colorism. Excellent. Yeah. So I'll say it warms my heart to see other people really leaning into using their voice, using their platform to talk about colorism. Because when you first start out, it can feel like you're the only one. Like, especially, you know, like a decade ago, I was like, whew, we gonna do this. We in it for the long haul. But I'm like, there are, now there are multiples of us. And so I really want us to like band together, amplify each other. And just because it's hard work. It's hard work when it's coming from your own people. You know what I mean? Okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, I read more content. Hey, I read more content. You know I love a good wordplay. I love wordplay. So you my people, okay? Um, Michael says, better check the ASS yes to see if they really bought that life. And yep, that's why I barely watch TV, right? I will say um, things definitely improved with streaming. You know what I mean? Um, even like, cause Issa Rae in her first book was talking about how YouTube being able to use the internet, being able to use modern technologies to get her first, um, YouTube series out, which then, you know, gave her the clout to be on HBO and things like that. So there have been, there's, there's greater access to more options. And I think creators, so people who want to create content and stories, even if they're not like Hollywood productions, you can you still have more opportunities to see images of dark skinned black women than you did pre-internet when you know you were just at the mercy of what the pop culture was putting out there. So all right, folks, that's the end of the chat. And so we'll wrap that up. I will repeat your affirmation in your discussion question just in case you came late. Okay, so the affirmation is the power button is in my hands. Turn it off and see what turns on. Oh, that's the opportunity for growth. Yeah, go ahead and turn off the media. And that includes social media. Y'all voted on like the subtopics that y'all really wanna talk about and social media was the most voted on topic. And I got a DM from somebody explaining why. And I was like, I, I hear you fam, I hear you. We are gonna talk about it. Um, and then your reflection questions, whatever you're watching, even me, if it's Mayoa's world, if it's, um, somebody else, <laughs> whatever, ask how does this media make me feel and what are the pros and cons of consuming this media? All right, folks, oh, thank you so much for joining me. We had, uh, t we had the maximum, we had was 15 people tuning in. I'm like, yes.
Y'all my people. Y'all came through for real. Okay. I will see y'all next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Sundays, 4 p.m. Eastern time. I have the, if you're subscribed on YouTube, I already scheduled the live stream. So you can click the notify button underneath that video and it will notify you like 30 minutes in advance when the live stream is about to go live. And I look forward to um, getting back into the discussions. All right, much love and enjoy your week.